Hey friends, welcome back to the Nod Wines podcast. I am your host, Nadia Mincy, but you can call me Nod. I admit it, about 80% of my new friends since 2020 were made on the internet, specifically through social media. And when I say friends, I actually really mean meaningful connections. I'm an extrovert through and through, and this personality will reflect through DMs, believe that. I find it a compliment when people, when I meet people in real life and they say, hey, you're just like you are online. And I think, aren't we supposed to be? When I moved back to Sacramento in fall 2021, I posted about the new and old restaurants I was trying and asked for recommendations. I received a comment from Funky Vinos with some sack favorites, one being in the suburb Elk Grove. Being an Elk Grove native, I was drawn to the V McCooney's recommendation and needed to know the person leaving the comment. Come to find out, Derek and I went to the same high school. I am admittedly older. And immediately I wanted to connect. I found out he managed the tasting room at Mathiason, a legend in the organic and sustainable winemaking and viticulture industry, creating wines with values I've always admired. The Mathiason tasting experience was on my Napa Valley bucket list, and Derek just invited me. Sadly, it took six months to schedule, but I visited Mathiason Winery in June 2022. This experience was everything that I hoped for and more. The wines were outstanding. Shouts out to unmanipulated Chardonnay and perfectly picked calves. The tasting room setup was open yet intimate with a tranquil view of the vineyards, sunshine, and breeze. Whew, it doesn't get any better. What stood out the most was our wine educator's attention to detail, easy to digest lessons, and the amount of knowledge. I also love seeing another peer in the wine industry, specifically someone Black, speaking with an approachable confidence. Uh, It just shared my sentiment for wine. So here he is as today's guest. Please welcome Wine Education Coordinator for Matthiasen Winery, Derek Von Harrison. Hey, hey. What an introduction. I'm <laughs> so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, you know, welcome home. Yeah, for sure. Back in the 916 City of Trees. Yeah, yeah. It looks a little different, huh? A little bit. Um, I haven't been here since the beginning of the pandemic. And just Whoa, even yeah. this Oak Park, area, Oak Park area is just so much change um, yeah but that's life in a nutshell I feel like so yeah yeah like transformation really and honestly it's like when we were in high school I don't know about how what year did you graduate again I graduated in 2010 2010 okay so we're like four years apart I feel like you just didn't come to Oak Park it just wasn't a place that you yeah like, not at all I tell people all the time growing up in Elk Grove there was no reason to come to Midtown or downtown unless you were doing the field trip to the state capitol <laughs> And Sutter's Fort, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> Old Sack for sure. But now it's like it's this bustling place that's like for our age group now. And yeah. Uh, to see how the food and wine scene has transformed is pretty incredible, especially because the industry we work in, we kind of reflect that, reflect that change, and it's kind of reflecting the change the industry is seeing as well. And so that's really cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Have you been able to explore? I know you don't come back very often, but have you been able to explore the food? You know what? Um, Not as much as I should. Um, I'm very grateful for the start that Sacramento gave me. Um, I moved to Napa uh, from Los Angeles uh, almost two years ago. And 
Napa within itself has been a whirlwind. So uh, I've been exploring a lot, but um, I definitely there's definitely some new wine bars and restaurants that I need to be checking out and kind of just come back to my roots. But at the same time, like that's fun because my parents are still here. So when I come back and do that, I get to share that with them. And that's really cool because obviously they showed me a lot about Sacramento, but then now I kind of get to return the favor. Yeah, 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 you get to pay that back. Mm -hmm. Where are some of your favorite places to go to in Sacramento when you do come back? In Sacramento, just like in general, just restaurants and stuff like that. Restaurants and food, and if you've checked out any of the wine bars or anything. Yeah, um, shout out to uh, Nico Wine Bar, uh, for sure. Uh, It's a great spot. Um, Just in general, though, I was telling some customers, uh, you know, I drink wine often. That's why I do this. Uh, I also love a good (laughs) cocktail, so... Since I'm on a platform that people will hear this, I got a shout out B-Sides. They probably got the best whiskey sour in Sacramento. And uh, they just show old cult, cult movies on the on the TV in silence. And they play music on vinyl. It's just a good vibe to me. Um, Food-wise, um, I like things that are pushing a little bit different. Uh, so one of my favorites is uh, Ben Choyaki. Uh, they've been killing it since before the pandemic and even now, which is really awesome. Um, but anybody who's just trying to push something different, but intentional, right? It's not really about chasing trends or trying to copy somebody else. I like brands and things that are trying to speak for themselves and, uh, you know, speak from the heart. And I think in whether it's food or wine that comes across clearly, and that's what I identify with. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 tells a story there's a sense of adventure Mm -hmm. um i went to b-sides once and i remember them playing tevin campbell and it was like 11 30 which is late to me Mm -hmm. um had a couple cocktails tevin campbell i'm like okay this is where i belong this is perfect to me Mm -hmm. the whole bar was singing uh my first time there they were playing whitney houston and they had uh jackie brown playing on the tv screen i love that and i just felt like this is the spot i need to be at yeah you know, in places like that that can make you feel comfortable, um, but give you a great hospitality experience. Uh, that's what I enjoy most. That's what I catch on to. Yeah. I don't think you can just have a good time in the most bougie experiences. I want people to feel like they can have the best of times, regardless of if there's a cover charge, what the price of the cocktails are, how the employees are dressed, things like that. I think we can kind of strip away a lot of what we kind of overthink about the experience part. Yeah. And honestly, everything you just said is why I loved my tasting experience at Matthiasen so much. Yeah. There was such a, I mean, uh, you're driving to Napa Valley, of course. There's mm-hmm. a certain expectation and certain like, oh, I'm going to Napa type of feeling. But mm-hmm. when you get there, it's almost like you can let your hair down. Yeah. Um, there is a sense of, okay, you get to see the beautiful vineyards, but you also get to just be be yourself and you've just right. facilitated an amazing experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, you know, through Matthiasen, I'm lucky enough to give people an experience that um, I can kind of tailor to who's coming in um, and their locate who Steve and Jill Matthiasen are as people kind of speak to the more casual and approachable aspects of wine. Um, I think you just learn better in general in those aspects. Um, but that's also my style as well. That's why I enjoy working there. So when it doesn't matter if you have a SOM certification or if this is your very first wine tasting, I'm going to make you feel like you are in my house. Mm-hmm. And my last name is not Matthias, and I want that to be clear. Yeah. But like when I get those customers in at the winery, I make it feel like you are in my home. 
because I want you to feel like you can have the space and the comfort to learn, ask questions. Um, Sometimes the tastings, they, we get off wine. We talk about life. And sometimes to me, that's even more important Uh, because, you know, Steve says all the time, wine is the fire pit. I love that. Right. It's communal. It's what we gather around. So yes, we're all here to talk about the wine, but more importantly, we use those opportunities to tap into things that are much bigger than that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what the customers really enjoy. Yeah. And honestly, that's what wine is about for me. I mean, people are like, oh, you get to drink wine all the time. That's great. You're in the wine. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's where it started, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, I love wine. I love drinking it. But when I got to know people like the real people behind wine in the sector of wine that we're in, Mm -hmm. there's just nothing like it. No, nothing, nothing comes close. And it's funny because, you know, when I first got started, you know, I only got into this because of my parents. And when I would go wine tasting with them, it was just a a mature adult feeling activity (laughs) to do with my parents and felt like it was cool to hang out. Yeah. Quickly though, I realized I could replicate that to others. And it honestly, for me personally, it, actually it became less about the wine. Mm-hmm. It's more about the story. It was more about the, the, the conversations I can have with people in those moments, um, in those relaxed settings where we're just kind of being open and talking again about life, not just wine. Um, and that's kind of the human connection I was looking for when I was getting into wine. So it's, it's really like affirming that I can find that. You said so much, so I'm going to break it down. Let's go, let's start with your your journey in wine. Yeah. Um, and it started in the Sierra Foothills? Yeah. Um, shout out to uh, Amador County, uh, yeah. more specifically uh, Andes Winery. Uh, gave me my first shot. Um, I do, I I have a healthcare background. Uh, I I went to UC Davis like most of, most of the industry does, but I was pre-med. Mm-hmm. And um, after I graduated, I took a gap year. I was I got my nursing assistant license. I was going to apply for grad school. Um, but in that time I wanted to pick up, uh, a tasting room position. Uh, it kind of started as an idea of just to get my bartending license, mm-hmm. but I just thought wineries were cooler. Um, and Andis winery, uh, offered me a weekend position, just pouring wines. And I fell in love with it instantly. Um, just being able to talk with people, talk about the wines, give them a good time, just like really resonated with me. And um, 2019, the winemaker asked me to work harvest. And I kind of felt like production wasn't my thing. Uh-huh. I don't really want to make my own brand, but I just thought this is how I learned. And so I just kind of dove head first. And long story short, I never applied to grad school. Mm-hmm. I just kind of snowballed <laughs> from there. Yeah. Um, the pandemic happened, but I mean, that affected all of us, uh, still is. And so, um, I eventually found my way to, uh, Napa Valley, uh, via Los Angeles. Um, and I got the opportunity to work for the Matthiasons and it worked out great. Um, uh, I kind of knew I wanted to stick with wine before the pandemic, but I'm glad I found my way through that and, uh, was able to find an opportunity to kind of, uh, wrap all that up in terms of, you know, the pandemic definitely kind of put a pause on things, but I was able to find something else to kind of keep me motivated, keep me going. And then I, I found the shop opportunity in Napa and I just kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. People are drinking wine no matter what, even more. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, people are definitely drinking wine. You can look at the sales reports uh, for multiple businesses the last couple of years for sure. Um, but that's, that's what we, you know, that's encouraging, right? I tell people all the time, 
the the younger consumers are learning more. They're exposed to a lot more in wine. And so we're approaching this more from a passionate perspective that doesn't feel, um, we don't necessarily feel like there's gatekeepers everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. There definitely still are, that's for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think people just have a more casual passion for it than they even realize because of food and wine and beer scaling down. Now yeah. we're, we all live in, even if you don't live in a major metropolitan area, you are exposed to so much more about wine and the idea of culture and food now that we're interested you know, yeah. just even the iPhone, YouTube, Instagram, things like that. There's so much more out there that we can learn from. And so people are picking that up and that's what we want. We want people interested or just even having a general idea of things. Right. You know, right. people are just aren't even they may not know a lot, but they're not even closed off to these new ideas. And like that's so encouraging from our industry because they're ready. They want to hear these things. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, social media opens up so much. I mean, that's where we met, but also like people are, it's a way for people to kind of take a sneak peek into an industry that typically had, like you said, gatekeepers. And there, there are in a lot of cases, especially Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, the power of the internet, I think, right. Um, I'm a huge YouTube nerd. Mm -hmm. I like looking at other people's passions And so when you find something that you are half interested in, people would dive deep into that. And then they show up to the wine tastings and they're like, oh, and I heard this. I read Uh this. I saw a video about that. And they've never experienced it, but they they know of it. And so when they come into these spaces and they're ready to learn, I'm able to capitalize on a moment where I could make them feel validated in that way, the same way I was when I had my early passions and somebody else was able to confirm those passions for me. Sometimes when you want to learn something new, you're getting into something, sometimes you can feel a little self-conscious, right? And you're just kind of waiting for somebody to tell you, oh, you're into that? That's kind of dumb. Why do you do that? (laughs) Right? But in wine now, especially especially (laughs) because wine and food are so uh, interconnected, I think people are just kind of a little bit more open to just, yeah, I'm into that. That's cool. Because again, wine is such a communal thing that like, it's kind of always around. Yeah. Right. It's always kind of there. Um, And so it's really encouraging for someone young like myself. I've only been in wine uh, going on three years Mm -hmm. now. It's, it's, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. So, but it, it keeps me motivated. Yeah, for sure. So working uh, for Matthiason, Mm -hmm. I mean, was that a goal of yours or is it because I, cause I know their values. I mean, that's before I even tasted the yeah. wines, I always heard of the name and I, you know, read the practices and that name, their name just floats around our mm-hmm. industry like crazy, yeah, especially you had named trends, yeah. especially in the trend of sustainable organic and all mm-hmm. of that. But they've been doing this, what, 19 years? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, you know, it's like really fascinating about that is everything you just said about them. Super true. Um, but when I, uh, was, uh, recommended to send an email to the Matthiasins, I actually had no idea who they were. Uh-huh. I've never had their wine before. Um, never heard that name or anything about them at all. Um, so I think, you know, if there's anything I've learned, even though I don't know much about wine, I'm still new at this. My approach and my passion to learn more has gotten me farther than anything else. And so um, I had made contact with uh, Dylan Proctor, who's a master psalm, and he just recommended that I reach out to Jill Mathiason. And, you know, I was just looking for a job opportunity that could lead to something else. 
And um, I, I think ultimately that's kind of what attracted me to them and them to me was that like I was kind of this unmolded piece of clay mm-hmm. um, because I definitely was freaked out once I got the job and I did some Googling and found <laughs> out who they were for sure. Like I just thought, oh, wow, I kind of didn't realize like who I was working for. Um, but I think, you know, if I had, maybe I would have um, made myself too anxious about it. Maybe mm. I would have never reached out. I would have thought I wasn't good enough, right? Because imposter syndrome and wine is a real thing. So and so real. I could have easily looked them up beforehand and thought, oh, no, my resume is not, I can't do that. That's not good enough, right? Um, but I I fully believe that I, because I made the pivot from medicine into wine, like everything that I do, uh, it doesn't matter how confident it may look, Um I'm just trying to put my best self out there because I know what I don't know. And I know that that's a lot. And so I'm just trying to navigate a space um, so I can learn the most and be around people that reflect the energy that I try and put out there. And it's worked for me thus far. Um, That doesn't mean I could tell you the next lotto numbers, but (laughs) I mean, I'm just trying to do the best I can and it's, it's working so far. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah. So what, and for those of, for those that have not heard of Mathiasin or ever had their wines, yeah. let's talk about them as a brand. Let's yeah. talk about them as people For um, sure. and what they offer to the wine industry. Yeah, really, um, really important brand um, for Napa Valley and California wines, period. Um, these are two people who kind of stand for something that's not as common in the wine industry. Uh, these are two people who are not from California. Um, they don't have any prior connections family-wise to agriculture or wine or um, any type of business that may have been able to fund their ventures and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, these are two farmers who met at UC Davis in grad school, fell in love, started dating, and just <laughs> made wine in the garage. You know, uh, very salt of the earth uh, um you know, get it out of the mud type of people. And um, I think on top of that, beyond their beginnings, I think what makes Matthias special is they make a wine that is unique to their perspective. So um, we tell people that it's an old world wine. So it's more European focused, uh, food friendly, lower alcohol. Um, But because Napa is not necessarily known for that, uh, we stand out as a radical. Mm -hmm. People think that we're anti-Napa. It's not really true at all. Um, Life just led them to Napa Valley. Um, It was Steve's kind of um, cachet and and prowess as an organic farmer um, that gave him the opportunity to start his vineyard management company in Napa Valley that kind of allowed him to slow roll his own actual brand um but now you know in the in the time that i've been there i've learned that you know the matthiasins represent those smaller husband and wife teams that were here post prohibition and just wanted to make wine right Mm -hmm. um i tell people all the time in this industry two people start wineries farmers and rich people Farmers do it because they just love it so much and they're crazy, but they love it so much. They don't care how hard it is. They just want to do it. Right. And rich people do it because they have the access to it. They have the funds to do it. And some of those people do it with honest intentions. Um, But I think when you realize that it doesn't matter if the bottle of wine is a thousand dollars, it doesn't matter if it's a box of Franzia, it starts in the vineyard. 
Yeah. Somebody has to farm that. And if there's anything I've learned uh, from Steve is that they are uh, people who focus on getting out the getting the best out of what they have, right? Um, the farmer mentality is to uh, take things as they come and they know what they can control and what they can't control. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of us outside of the farming uh, industry kind of would benefit from learning. Right. Because um, they truly do what they love. They stand on their own vision. Um, They're not trying to game the system or be marketable. They're just making wines they love and sharing it with the people they love. And I think as young people who are shouted out to always be yourself, be unique, don't follow the trends, uh, that resonates with me. Because if there's anything I've learned from navigating just becoming an adult, uh, going through college, medicine, into wine. I'm best off when I'm being myself. Yeah. I'm best off when I am being Derek Harrison. And so um, I think that's what their brand represents. I think that's why I've met a lot of people in Napa Valley on the industry side. Yeah, They love Steve and Jill. They don't drink their wine. Interesting. Because it's not about the wine. It's, it's it really never is. Yeah. It's about the people. Mm-hmm. And so when you know the people behind it are authentic and they're coming with a story that's real, you support that, right? We've mm-hmm. been shouted out to shop local for so long now that now the consumers know, even the younger ones, they know. They, they do the reading and they're like, oh, okay, I've heard about Steve. I've heard about Jill. I, I know what they're doing. I want to I want to check it out. And even if they come and don't like the wine, I tell customers all the time, liking the wine is subjective. But figuring out what brands you want to support is bigger than necessarily just that. You you cannot like the wine and recommend Matthiasen to anybody that'll listen. Yeah. Because you know what they're about. Yeah. Right? And in a in an industry where yeah, there's a lot of millions of dollars floating around and a lot of people business suits and a lot of vanity projects I think people respect the uh honest approach to just sharing good wine with good people to have good conversation it's really that simple for them yeah yeah and really in this industry because there is so much and there's so much out there money people just winemakers that simplicity is just best and it's just yeah I think in any in any case, uh, what I've learned, um, I'm only 30 years old. I, you know, God willing, have a lot more time here. Yeah. Keeping it simple is the best. Yeah. Just, yeah. just don't overthink it. You know, we, we are, our conscious thought is our best tool and our worst enemy. And I think like sometimes we need to just remind ourselves to just stick with the basics, do what you love, love on your family and keep it pushing. The rest will come. Yeah, right. that's it. Right. And you know, what's interesting about the Matthiasen experience with you specifically is that my friends that came in, was that a couple months ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my friends visiting from out of state, it was mm-hmm. their first time in Napa. There was their I think, five year wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. It was a wedding anniversary. They came out and they said, um, you know, we want you to set up a day for us. And I said, oh, okay. I mean, we know you have great recommendations. And like, what's funny. I was like, I don't go to Napa that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, I can give you Sierra Foothills. I can give you Sonoma all day. Like even give you Central Coast, but I really don't go to Napa that much. But I did say that, you know, I said, I, 
in my thought head, I don't know what they're used to drinking. Like, I don't know what they have access to in the Midwest, mm-hmm. but this is a must experience. I you know, I said, I wanted them to meet you specifically. Yeah. I wanted them to just learn. And even if they didn't, I thought about that. Even if they didn't like the wines, it was learning the other side of wine right. because I know not being removed from this movement or even thinking as wine as an agricultural product, I know that people can think about wine a little bit different than us. And they walked away. They're like, yeah, the wines weren't my favorite out of the ones we've had, but that was an amazing experience, hands mm-hmm. down. And that's what I wanted them to leave with. Yeah, because um, it, it's kind of a twofold thing. Uh, number one, I'm grateful for them at Dyson Story because since it's an honest story, Again, it doesn't matter if they love the wine or not. The story is so honest that you can't help but uh, um, kind of uh, relate to what that is. Now, I think I also provide this aspect where I try and make, again, going back to, I want you to feel like you're in my home. And I think when that's added on, um, now people don't feel intimidated to like the wine or not. Now, if you're in a winery where they're not giving you that experience and you don't like the wine, you now feel hesitant. You feel like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm stupid. Like, oh my God, like I got to come up with something to say about this wine. So they think like I'm grateful. Right. And I tell people all the time when they come to Matthias if you don't like this wine, please tell me and tell me what you don't like about it. We'll have a conversation about what you may be looking for because now I can at least make it an educational experience for you so that when you leave this winery, you don't feel bad that you liked or didn't like a particular wine. But what's more important is that you can now go to that Psalm or that wine shop uh, employee and say, I like this, or I don't like this, or can you show me something similar? Because again, beyond just being a salesman, which technically I am, that's not my title, but technically that's how this business goes. Yeah. But to me, it's more important uh, to have the community more knowledgeable. So even if you leave Matthiasen and you don't, you, I taught you, this style may not be for you. If you are in a more informed consumer, that's better for the wine industry, right? Now yeah. we're, we're giving the people the power to build off what they know. Because I know, because I've been in wine very little, and even I know this, even if they leave Matthiasen and I've taught them something and they were like, well, maybe I don't like high acid. Maybe I don't like low oak or low alcohol wines. I also know there's the potential in 15, 20, 25 years. That might be what they're all about because mm-hmm. the palate changes, right? Yeah. But they would never get the opportunity to try those wines if they didn't understand what their palate is in this moment. So if I can empower you to understand what you're experiencing, I actually don't care if you buy any wine. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny on the opposite end, because I sent four people there at that, that particular date. My two other friends that I've dragged around the state to mm-hmm. all different types of wine tasting from wines that are made in someone's garage yeah. to beautiful wineries, all of that. And they said, wow, that they said Matthiasen kind of married all of those experience that we had that I went to Lisbon with this couple and we just had the best time at this natural wine bar. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was that feeling, it was that experience. And they compared it to their time at, you know, Matthias and Mm -hmm. they compared it to their time when we were in Sonoma and it's just really the feelings. I mean, the wines were really good. They loved the Linda Vista Mm -hmm. Chardonnay, just like I do. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out to Linda Vista. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But it was just, 
I love that because the more we educate folks in the wine industry or newbies, you know, the more they can make choices that are suitable for them because there's something out there for everybody. I really believe that there's just too much out there for there not to be. (laughs) And, And we don't realize how much we're exposed to it, right? If you were drinking wine in the seventies and you knew in America and you knew what a Chablis was, mm-hmm. that didn't mean you, you lived near a good wine shop. That meant you had a passport. That mean your job probably required you to travel and be exposed or you, you were being exposed to people coming stateside that were showing you these wines, unless you literally lived in New York or maybe Los Angeles. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a short list. And now when I can, talk about Linda Vista Chardonnay and I could talk about how, you know, our approach to that is in a classical Ghibli style, even if you've never heard that. Now people can pull out their iPhone and they say, what's a Ghibli? Yeah. And they look it up and they down, they can find out where they can get it shipped from and they can have it at their doorstep by the time they get home from Napa. Yeah. And so the, the reality is that because we have that exposure and we have all that at our fingertips, People doubt themselves so much when it's not their job and customers come and say, I don't really know much. You know, uh, you know, I'm just getting started. I let them know, you know, a lot more than you think you do. Yeah. You just need the context to formulate what you're thinking, essentially. Yeah, definitely. So funny enough that you talk about Linda Vista. I have a bottle in my purse. I oh. brought it because that's just one of my favorite examples of one, an organic vineyard, because I've had, um, I think, Donkey and Goats, Linda Vista mm-hmm. Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, and then this one, I'm really, it's, let's talk about Chardonnay. Because yeah. Chardonnay, I just had a conversation with a friend. She's actually from Sacramento, too. Okay. She said, oh, I tasted a Chardonnay last week, and I actually liked it. Yeah. It's like, what did you like about it? And we had a conversation back and forth, and it's just one, and I'm like, Chardonnay is one of my favorite varietals. I wouldn't have said that three years ago. I just wasn't educated. I hadn't tasted enough of Chardonnay. And growing up in this area, Mm -hmm. oh, man, we're exposed to so much Chardonnay that just isn't desirable um, by, you know, massive palates, you know, unless you, you know, are old. Old white man in 1980. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But, you know, that's what makes Chardonnay one of my favorite wines to talk about yeah. now that I work in Napa because it made me realize it's a grape that makes you understand that we are babies at this, mm-hmm. right? Compared to, let's just compare it to Europe. Um, we still have so much to learn. Uh, and reasonality in wine is essentially built off of weather, mostly. And also culture, for sure, and that kind of intertwines war, famine, immigration, immigrant, things like that. Um, but ultimately, Chardonnay is one of those specific grapes that lets us know that we still have so much to learn because our culture isn't as intertwined with wine as it is with Europe. Right. Right. I tell people all the time, in Europe, you know your grandfather's favorite producer your fathers, your mothers, your grandmothers, your aunts, your uncles, things like that. Um, whereas my favorite question at the winery to ask is, what's the first Chardonnay you've ever had? The most common answers are something I stole from my mother. <laughs> Keyword on stole. Because in Europe, you're not stealing it from your parents. They're allowing They're you to drink it, it with you. them. Yeah. right? Or I was in college and I was broke. Right. <laughs> Which means you probably were exposed to something that may have not been in your particular style. Now, the reason why that's a problem is as American consumers, we think, I had that once. I didn't like it. I don't need to get that again. And so the problem because, you know, let's say it's freshman year. We've all had that freshman year. 
get a little intense. That's okay. That's what life's about, right? Right. But now, now you're on a date. Mm-hmm. Now you're at the restaurant. Now you're at the wine shop. Right. You look at the menu. What happens is it doesn't become about the wine anymore. It becomes about the money you think you're going to waste because you think it's going to be gross. Mm-hmm. And people get so apprehensive. That's why people become Sauv Blanc drinkers. Yeah. Because they have that Chardonnay. They're like, oh, my mom drank that buttery, creamy, oaky, da-da-da. That was disgusting. And they never come back to it. Right. They never do. But if you understand wine, you understand that like it's not the grape you don't like. It's the style. You have to find your style. Right. But that's a commitment. That's just going to take your time. It's going to take your money. You have to go to wine tastings. You have to yeah. at least buy a bottle. You literally have to taste. That's Something. how you learn. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why with the Linda Vista, that's why we try and teach people that. Is that like, hey, like there's so much more out there. Um, people are catching on, which is awesome. Um, and and this is kind of a, a, also a reflection of the business of wine as, as well. There's the passion. There's the business. And you have to balance both. Um, the reason why those creamy, buttery versions still exist now is because they had a lot of buying power in the 90s mm-hmm. now those people who were buying it are probably buying less wine um, they're getting older and so the trends show that they start buying less wine and that's why you hear now in the industry a lot of the winemakers say they want to focus on high acid wines because people in our age range are now saying i want to try chardonnay but don't give me what my grandmother is drinking yeah don't give that to me um and i you know steve told me once uh uh I think he has a really cool theory about it. He said, you know, especially here as Americans, we're so exposed to citric acid from soda and candy. High acid Chardonnay is probably the right answer for us Ah, here. Right. We just need to kind of work our way through it. Like think about how we are with rosé now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to search out for sweet rosé now. Right. Most rosés now you can get on a shelf are pretty dry. Yeah. Right. But we had to get through that white Zinfandel phase <laughs> to get past that. Mm-hmm. And now people can understand what a, a, a rosé from uh, Provence should taste like. Right. Same thing with Chardonnay. It's just going to take a little bit more time. Yeah. And that's OK. And we try and tell people Rombauer is still so, supposed to exist. You want the, Calif- the California classic style to exist. That's OK. We just want customers to understand there's more. There's a spectrum. It's not just a singular thing. Yes. And I because of that singular experience, back to the experience mm-hmm. in Chardonnay, that is what everyone's minds go to. And which, that's the only memory. That which they have again is why when I give my tastings, I know that this might be your first exposure. So I don't want you to leave thinking like coming off with a a, a, a concrete decision where like now you feel like I don't like this or I, I do like this. I want you leaving confident that, well, Derek taught me that, like, yo, there's so much more out there. I can't wait to try what's next. Right. right? And so I got to make sure that you feel that way because I don't want you to feel closed off. I don't want you to feel like, yeah, I tried it. Derek threw a lot at me. I just don't understand. No, I want you opposite. I want you to feel motivated. I want you to feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the, my wine shop and finally ask a real question to that guy who always asks if I need help. Right. That's what I want. Right. Okay. Well, I do. I mean, as much as I would, I could talk about Chardonnay all day. Chablis okay. is one of my yeah. dream places For to sure. visit. Um, let's talk about a couple. What varietals do you find most either approachable or liked by, you know, novices, new new wine drinkers coming into the tasting room? I'm just thinking about folks that are listening that may be shopping for wine. They're not familiar with it. I'm like, kind of, where do, where do I start and what do I ask for? What do I yeah, talk about? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So a few that come to mind, um, Chenin Blanc, because uh, it's refreshing, it's high acid, and it's not Sauvignon Blanc. So yeah. <laughs> it just sounds a little bit more exotic to people. If they haven't tried that, they're just like, oh, cool. Another white wine that's not Sauvignon Blanc, it's not Chardonnay, and it's not Riesling. Right. Because people think they know what all three of those are. Mm-hmm. So if you give them a Chenin Blanc, they're just like, I don't know, but I want to try it. Right. And I just think it comes across as a very refreshing and, and fun white wine. Um uh, that being said, uh, even though I know people want to think all Rieslings are sweet, I I think the drier ones are the most versatile and fun white wines that people should be searching out because they're Agreed. great educational tools and they're very versatile wines. Uh, red wines, um, I think there's – I always try and recommend things that are kind of in the middle ground. I don't want to do something too light like a Pinot because if that's not what you want, you're not going to find something that is palatable and I don't want to give you a cab because that might be too uh too much on your palate so I try and stick in the middle so I'm thinking more like Grenache or like a cool weather Syrah um something that has depth to it but it's not like forcing you to study the wine um but it also doesn't just taste like this light juice either Um, people like texture and so with red wines because we think of these like opulent things they want to feel that weight Um, it's about finding the good balance of flavorful but then also having the right texture on the tongue as well so Grenache is like a really good go-to for me Um, the right amount of fruitiness Um, if it's in California Cap Franc as well another great option again not a common grape but I think from my experience it's one of those grapes that in California specifically gives you a great balance of like acid fruit it's not too heavy not too light it can kind of I call it like a potluck wine you could just put it on the table someone's gonna have fun with that yeah um yeah had those peppery notes those bell pepper definitely yeah. um and also just to add on um just because I you know, I have such an affinity for the Sierra Foothills because it was my first exposure into wine. Uh, Barbera. Oh, um, yeah. I know people can be a little apprehensive about Italian red specifically. I just feel like Barbera is one of those grapes that gives me the most joy. I'm biased. I'll put that on record. That's totally fine. But <laughs> I need your listeners to hear me say Barbera because that's, that's just who I am. I love that. I mean, honestly, I'm still apprehensive to Barbera because mm-hmm. it's one of those grapes that I've had a couple of them and I'm like, oh, oh, that's that's a lot going on. And yeah. I just don't understand it that well. And I think that's the beauty of wine tasting. I think mm-hmm. people are like, you're wine tasting all the time. And I'm like, but it's a different experience every time. Right. And you're, you're learning something new. And that's what this industry is all about. It's just so, it, there's the people, there are the wines, there's just so much depth and so much story that can come out of each and, one. And it, and it never stops, but that's what keeps me motivated, right? Uh, I know sometimes customers, I, I know I can get a little excited and I can throw a lot at customers and they feel like, oh shit, like, <laughs> well, okay, that was a lot. But I tell them this all the time, I feel and I can feel overwhelmed as well. But like what helps me are the days where I see Steve Mathiason learn something new. Yeah. Because if Steve can talk to me and every time he talks, I'm like, oh my God, this guy, <laughs> he could just do a whole world tour doing lectures and just stack bank, right? I mean, he knows so much. But then there's those moments where I see him pick up on something new and I'm like, oh, that lets me know it's not over. Like there's no finite point to this. Mm-hmm. I just have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. That's it. Like you, it's 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 easy, you know. Especially when we do wine tasting, that's why I try and tell people to shout out what you're experiencing. Because as soon as someone says a fruit or a smell that sounds better than what you had in your head, now you don't want to talk. 
Because <laughs> you don't want to sound dumb. You don't want to be like, mm-hmm. oh, that wasn't as good as what she said. No, you should approach it from a perspective of, well, we're all in this together. Right. Um, and I think that's what I really appreciate, appreciate about what Steve promotes is just kind of having situations where you can feel like you're all on the same level. Like yeah. I know Steve had just based off his age, he has so much more experience than I do. But I know that there are moments where it's like we're learning together. And like that that connection makes everything else, that imposter syndrome and all that, everything goes away. Because oh. it's like, oh, great. Awesome. We learned that today together. Oh, dude, like I don't have to worry about in my behind. There is no behind. Yeah. You're just You're just in it. That's it. I, you know, I definitely feel that in wine. I feel like, you know, sometimes you feel really confident, like, oh, I know all this stuff. And then I'm around other people and I'm like, jaw drop. Like I'm, or I travel somewhere or anything. And I'm like, wow, I know nothing about this region. I know nothing about these wines. But to that point, like if you're around a wine educator or just wine culture that really is open and and cares and wants to grow, it, it, People don't care. They they don't care. They're there. They're there to have that conversation with you, Mm -hmm. to level set with you, Mm -hmm. Um, and then just you're sipping wine while you're doing it, right? So it makes it all the better. It's a good time. (laughs) It's a good vibe. Like it's not a bar. Mm -hmm. Some people go to a bar to blow off steam after work. You don't come to a winery with that energy. Right. So there's our again. It's communal. You're already coming to us for this connection. Yeah. Uh, again, it's, it's bigger than the wine, and that's what we try and that's what I try and capitalize on because that's that's the connection I'm looking for, right? You know, even when I was working in medicine, like yes, I want I wanted to help people, um, but it was bigger than what my day to day tasks were. Yeah, it was about us as a hospital staff, and it was about us as a team and what we can provide for our fellow people. Yeah. This is our community. This is how we're helping people. I'm just not doing it in a different way. Yeah. You know, and I agree with that. I, you know, I come from the healthcare industry as well. Mm-hmm. So I can feel that there's that, there's that vision, there's that heart. It's just in a different vessel now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. One last thing before we wrap up, yeah. uh, we are just around the holidays. Mm-hmm. So what is one bottle that you would bring to a Christmas dinner? Oh, great question. Uh, like in general for the listeners or something in my stash? In your stash, okay. actually. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So this year, um, I have my eyes on, eyes on, I haven't purchased it yet. Um, there are, Steve first made with Ice and Wine 2003. Um, there are no 2003s left, to my knowledge. Uh, but there are bottles of 2004 Napa Valley Red Wines, Bordeaux Red Blend. Um, I've been lucky enough to try one of them. Uh, we shared it as a staff. Um, it was definitely a core memory wine. Like I won't forget that. And, yeah. um, uh, something kind of been in the back of my head this year. I was like, you should buy one of those bottles so you can share that with your parents. Um, yeah. because the wines that I've had a lot of great wines, um, which I'm very grateful for, but I know a wine to me is something that's memorable when the first sip is who am I going to share this with in my family? I love that. That lets me know. Oh, you really like this? Yeah, one. you have to share it. I've had yeah. fun, cool wines before, and I was like, oh, maybe that would be fun to tell my dad, whatever. But if I almost want to stop sipping it and just go home, yeah, that's a special wine. Yeah, and yeah. Um, my parents really love red, so I know it's right up their alley. Uh, so I've been thinking about that. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's probably that's what I'm gonna have. Yeah. You at posted Christmas. a picture of that, right? Is that the one that I responded to? I did. To? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> kind of to uh, entice others, but then also motivate myself as well. Obviously, working there, I can kind of see when the inventory is getting low. Uh, but um, I like to let people know that we do have age stuff at Matthias, and we're a small producer and not around that long. So some people don't really think about that. Um, but the the 2004s and I got some 07s and some 09s and 2012s that are just amazing and. Um, I stare at them every day. It's, uh, I'm sure Wells Fargo kind of laughs at me when I stare at these bottles. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, again, I look at wines now, special wines. I look at them as how can I maximize that feeling that I get from wine? And typically it involves, oh, I got to take this to my parents. Yeah. They have Create to more this. memories with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming of course, on. Thank you for having me. Um, folks can find you at the Matthiason Tasting Room. Yeah. They can uh, also find you online. Definitely. Um, uh, Instagram is probably the best just because that's what I pay attention to. Uh, yeah. Funky Vinos. Um, reach out to me. Honestly, Instagram is kind of the reason I got to where I'm at. Uh, a lot of people helped me uh, and reached out and, and just gave me their time. And that's something yeah. that I value the most. Um, so I try and tell people all the time, like, um, I'm not a brand. Uh, I'm not trying to be an influencer. But I do want people to understand that, like, I am an open door. If you come into my path and we have a connection, like, I want you to reach out to me. Because, like, I learned from you, you learned from me. This is how it should be utilized. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah follow, okay. follow the journey. This is what it's yeah. About. Well, thank you so much, Derek. Of course. Tune in every other week for relatable natural wine knowledge and to drink wines worth talking about. Subscribe to this podcast and I'll connect you with a wine your palate vibes with, a story that intrigues you, or simply become your go-to wine friend. Follow Nod Wines on Instagram, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. This podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento and The Loft. Cheers! <laughs>